Hello everyone, my name is Daniel Buckler and welcome to the show. Now before we get started, there's one quick thing I'm going to need your help with. I'm going to be rolling out a new segment in which I tell more sort of crazy and personal, wacky, bizarre stories that have happened to me throughout my 40 years on this planet. And you know, when it was How Was This Movie, I was sort of constrained with just telling a story that's somewhat related to the movie that I was talking about. But now that it's the Dana Buckler Show, I want to be able to introduce this additional segment. So if you could help me come up with a name for this segment, something like Dana After Dark or or whatever you can come up with, uh, if I end up going with your selection, I've got a very cool prize that I will mail out to you. So you can email me at hitmpodcast at gmail.com or the new email address I've set up, the Dana Buckler Show at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your help. For every problem, there is a solution. That's a saying I've heard a hundred times, and it's something that I always try to implement whenever I find myself in a challenging situation. I, of course, applied that logic after many years of bad experiences going to the movies. As Ed Harris said in 1995's Apollo 13, let's work the problem, people. And much like a theoretical physicist would write endlessly on a chalkboard, I too would work out all my particular movie theater issues point by point. I would apply mathematics and the law of averages to figure out the best time to see a movie, factoring in all the variables. For example, big tentpole films such as Marvel movies or Star Wars, well, I would look at what showtimes were available, and one by one I would take a showtime off the board. I often work on Thursday nights, so those early release windows are off the board. And in fact, for a big tentpole film, the entire opening weekend typically comes off the board due to overcrowding, so that leaves the weekdays as my only option. However, I need to be careful in selecting which screening I attend because I live in an area that has a large retirement community and retirees typically go to the movies on weekdays and they come with their own unique set of challenges. So in order to avoid those crowds, all weekday matinee show times come off the board, anything before 2 p.m., leaving me with only post-matinee showings. But I also have to factor in what time high schools let out, typically between 3 and 4 p.m. So The math sort of points me to a time between 2.30 and 3.30 p.m., but I'm not done yet because Tuesdays at my local multiplex is reduced price popcorn, which means that the retirees will often factor in the price reduction and then see a movie anytime on Tuesdays. So Tuesdays come off the board altogether. Now, I know what you're saying, Dana. I've heard you say in the past that there are multiple movie theaters in your town. That is correct. There's a drive-in, there's an old historical movie theater with terrible sound, then there's a little six-screen cinema, which was the site of Movie Theater Story 1999. Go back and check that one out. That's not a terribly bad theater, but, but on Wednesdays, they do free popcorn and soda all day, so that comes off the board. So after factoring all the known variables, by my calculations, for the best time for me to see a movie is on a Thursday between 2.30 and 3.30 p.m., It took years of trial and error to produce this formula, but I was never ready to have my solution peer-reviewed because of the X factor that always came into play. I've dubbed it the chaos implementation. Something that happens, not randomly, but almost by design. No matter how many times I would go to a movie during my mathematically established sweet spot, something would go wrong. In most cases, it would involve a group of two or more choosing to set up shop right next to me. And to make matters worse, this would almost 100% of the time happen when the auditorium was 98% empty. Why people gravitate towards others inside a nearly empty theater is a question I'm not sure we'll ever be able to answer. Indeed, it is a question on the same level of, are we alone in the galaxy? 
And it took me years to pinpoint the perfect time to see a movie, but to my growing frustration, I was not able to find a perfect solution on where to sit. Now, isn't it amazing how sometimes the solution to our problem is staring us right in the face? For me, it was the twosies. The glorious row of two seats on each side of the auditorium. Now, it wasn't perfect in the beginning. I still had to figure out the best place to sit in the twosies. Right-hand side, left-hand side, all the way back, all the way in the front. No, for me, it was right in the middle. And after a couple of incidents, it was quickly determined that to truly enjoy my newfound seat, I would have to purchase two tickets to be certain that no one would sit next to me. So after a few human trials, I felt confident that I had officially solved this complex equation of how to have the perfect movie theater watching experience. And damn it, I was proud of what I had accomplished. After almost three years of testing, I felt I was ready to officially publish my findings and let the world know now. I was so confident in what I had determined that I often thought about that scene in A Beautiful Mind where Russell Crowe's character John Nash is sitting at the faculty dining room and all the professors are one by one placing pens on his table. I was sure that once I published my findings, that one by one, movie theater goers would place their ticket stubs at my table. And I would go down in history for solving an issue that plagues so many of us. However, in one fateful night this past November, my life's work came crashing down. It was Thanksgiving night. And after a busy day of running around all over town, seeing people, saying hello, eating Thanksgiving dinner, I found myself at home with nothing to do. The time was 6 p.m. I began to weigh my options. Now look, it's the Thanksgiving holiday, so my options are of course limited. Most of my friends were still doing Thanksgiving-related things with their respective families, and most businesses were closed. Now the idea of going out for a drink or two was out of the question because I had to be up at 7 the next morning to go to work. I was just sitting in my living room all alone, and that's when a thought crept into my head. Maybe you should go to a movie. Now, on paper, this of course was a terrible idea. Go see a movie on Thanksgiving Day? Are you kidding? The math was clearly stacked against me. But nonetheless, I opened my iPhone, clicked on the Regal Cinema app, and honestly, I was pretty much determined I was going to be able to talk myself out of this idea. You see, the criteria for me to go see a movie on that particular night was threefold. Three particular things all had to fall into place, and that's very rare. Number one, it had to be a movie I wanted to see. I was not going to throw myself into that madness unless it was something I really wanted to see. Number two, it had to be a showtime that started no later than 7 p.m. Again, I have to work the next day. I have to get some sleep. And three, and this is the most important, the particular auditorium of the movie I was going to see had to have the twosies. As I scrolled through the options to watch, I came across Creed 2. I really enjoyed the first Creed, a movie that I will admit I skipped in the theater. And it's a decision I regret because, damn it, I really liked that movie. As ridiculous as the premise sounds for Creed 2, being a huge fan of Rocky IV, it was honestly irresistible. I clicked on Creed 2, 7 p.m. showtime. It's showing in Auditorium 15, and that means they have the twosies. Now, I knew this was going to be a packed house that night, and I was really going to be pushing the limits of what the twosies have to offer. I checked my watch, 6, 10 p.m. The theater is only seven minutes away. Now, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this now, and I've got to go. I had to arrive before 6.30, or I risk a chance of successfully finding the twosies that I like to sit in. I quickly snapped up two tickets, which was a gamble, because this particular auditorium did not have reserved seating. 
I was now in a race against time. Out the door I went. I fired up the Volkswagen and I was off. Thankfully, it was a holiday, so the traffic was very sparse. However, as I approached the theater parking lot, I was truly stunned by the amount of cars that I saw. I've been going to this movie theater for almost 20 years, and I have never seen cars literally parked on the grass. There was a part of me that was saying, just turn around, just go. There's no way you're going to enjoy yourself. Everything always goes wrong. But as luck would have it, there was a single parking space right at the front. I zipped into that spot, jumped out of the car, and I checked the time, 6.25. I walked with a very brisk pace past the ridiculously long line at the box office and the even more ridiculously long line at the concession stand. Side note, if you're running a movie theater and you make the majority of your profits from the concession stand, maybe have more than two people working the concession stand on what would be arguably one of the busiest days of the year. But that's just a thought. As I walked into Auditorium 15, I rounded the corner and I looked up to see a huge crowd in the main seating area. I zeroed in on the twosies. Picking the left side, I made my way up the stairs, stopping halfway. Just like that, I thought I was home free. I took a deep breath of relaxation and settled in. In theory, and so far in practice, I have never had any issues with people that sat in front or behind me while I was seated in the twosies. I can only assume that this is because the people that choose to sit there don't want to be around a lot of people as well. As I looked around the auditorium, it quickly became clear to me that this theater had seen its best days. The speakers that lined the walls around the auditorium, which at one point had a perfect symmetrical setup, were now just pointed in every which direction. One of them looked like it was upside down. Looking up at the ceiling, I could see that one of the fans was missing a blade. For a moment, I wondered if it fell off during a screening. I quickly dismissed that thought because, let's be honest, if a ceiling fan blade was to come off during a screening of a movie, it would have happened when I was there. Now, I've said it before, but it bears repeating. My local movie theater is like flying a budget airline. No frills whatsoever. I checked the time, 6.50 p.m. Still, no one in front of me, no one behind me. Now, over the next 10 minutes, I engaged in some serious people watching, and I was struck by just how large the groups that were coming in were. Having... Never gone to the movies on Thanksgiving Day before. It occurred to me that this was truly a day at the movies for families. I would see families walking in that were clearly generations. Grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, uncles, cousins, the whole lot. Groups were coming in 10 and 12 at a time, taking up entire swaths of the movie theater. But yet, no one in front or behind me. Two minutes till the lights were dimmed and the trailers were to start. I took a final glance around the auditorium. Surprisingly now, with the exception of the occasional sporadic lone seat, the only real empty seats that were in a group were the twosies on my side. For a single fleeting moment, I smiled. The twosies had saved the day once again, but that lasted for only a moment, as rounding the corner was what could only be described as a bubble family. Now, you may be asking me, what is a bubble family? Well, it's a designation that I give to a group that is completely oblivious to anyone else in their general vicinity. They exist inside their own bubble, and they have zero consideration for others. Case in point, this particular bubble family was talking at an above-average decibel level. I was 30 feet away, and I could hear their entire conversation. What they had for dinner that day, what they were doing tomorrow, where they're going to sit, like I was standing next to them. The Bubble family was made up of a mom, dad, and what I assume was their seven kids of various ages ranging from 6 to 17, with at least four of the kids holding oversized tablets with oversized generic headphones. As they scanned their seating options, they began to point in my direction. Fuck, 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 shit. 
this is happening. Fuck, not this again. The mom took the lead and the brood followed. She began to point and designate to each kid where they were going to sit. She pointed to every Tuesday seat around me, and one by one, the kids followed her instructions. With most of the kids now seated, her oldest child, a teenager wearing a Miami Dolphins jersey and a baseball cap turned backwards, was the last one standing, and the mom lifted her hand and pointed at me. As the boy walked in my direction, I quickly began reaching for my phone. The boy stopped, looked at me, and said, move over. I, I, I looked at him and said, excuse me? Move over. I'm not sitting on the inside, so move over. Remember, bubble family, no consideration for others. I looked at the empty seat next to me. I turned back to him and looked at him and said, I'm not moving over and you're not sitting here. Now, without missing a beat, the, the kid turned and yelled at his mom. It's ma, ma, man said, I'm not sitting here. To which she replied, oh, yes, you are. I whipped my head around, looked back at the mom and said, no, he's not. Sorry, lady, seat's taken. I've got tickets for both. At this point, I was holding up my phone, displaying the tickets. The mom then pointed her son in the direction of another seat. As he walked by his mom, she said, don't worry, baby. That man's just a grumpy asshole. I turned back and said, lady, I can hear you. She just smirked and nodded her head up in the air. I was just shaking my head. What the hell just happened? You know, by this point, the trailers had started. Now, just as it seemed the worst was behind me, the same boy, who by that point was two rows behind me, started yelling again, Ma! Ma! I want peanuts and a Coke! Want what? I want peanuts and a Coke! Now, the other kids in the family, some of whom were seating in front of me, they stood up on the back of their chairs and started demanding what they wanted. Popcorn, candy, M&Ms, Slurpees, everything. The mom got up and walked out of the auditorium. Ten minutes later, she returned with a big tub of popcorn and a few different assorted boxes of candy. In her left hand, she was holding what I could only describe as the largest cup of soda that I have ever seen in my life. And I've seen 64-ounce cups of soda before. She handed off all of the concessions to the kids and then proceeded to her seat, which I think was three rows behind me. What happened next was truly a first for me. I watched as the kids, one by one, took turns eating some popcorn, eating some candy, drinking some soda, and then passing it along to the next kid. Then the kids passed the snacks behind them to the row in front of me. Those kids took their turn eating the popcorn, eating the snacks, eating the candy, and then one of the younger kids turned around, looked at me, and tried to hand me the tub of popcorn. The kid said, Hey, pass this to my brother behind you. I was just looking at the kid. Before I had a chance to respond, I felt someone tap me on the shoulder. This startled me. I was quickly turned around and, Who's touching me? and I see a box of M&Ms being shaken in my face. The kid behind me was now asking me to pass the candy to the row in front of me. I caught a glance of the couple sitting to my right. They were looking at me and shaking their heads. Even they couldn't believe what was happening. The kid again, once again, tapped me on the shoulder. Stop fucking touching me. He shook the box of candy me again. I tried my best to ignore him. Perhaps they will get the hint. Then, without warning, the kid decided to toss the box of M&Ms to his siblings, but his toss fell short as the box hit the back of the seat in front of me and landed at my feet. Mind you, by this point, the fucking movie had started. I was in uncharted territory. Even with all the crazy shit I've experienced before, this was something entirely new to me. Of course, now the kids in front of me were asking me to pick up the box, and this was my cue to move seats. Now, looking back at this particular incident, I can honestly say that what happened next was not on purpose. It was an accident, but it was dark in the theater, and I was in a hurry to get out of there, so I stood up, and as I stood up, I stepped on the box of M&Ms. The sound of numerous peanut M&Ms being crushed beneath my feet echoed through the theater. The kids behind me let out a scream. I looked back and quickly apologized. Sorry, kids. Shrugged my shoulders, and I walked to the only other seating option left. 
the dreaded front row. Now, this is only the second time in my life that I attempted to sit in the front row. I've got to go all the way back to 1990s Back to the Future Part 3 as the last time I sat in the front row, or as I now call it, we're fucking with you row. Why do I call it that? Well, when you sit in the front row, and if you look straight ahead, all you're going to see is a wall. The bottom of the screen is literally 10 feet above you. Now, I'd love to tell you that while I was looking straight up at the screen, my eyes adjusted to it but that wasn't the case. All I could see was blurry images. I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. This wasn't going to work. Now I had a real decision to make. Do I leave? Here's the thing. Thanksgiving kicks off the holiday season and that really ramps things up at my job. So this would probably be the last time I get to see a movie until potentially maybe even the end of the year. So damn it, I'm going to stay and see this through. And I walked to the side of the theater. I saw a lone empty seat five rows back from the screen. It was in the middle of the row. I let out a sigh and made my way in. I peppered the people I was walking by with the usual, sorry, excuse me, pardon me, oh, sorry, didn't mean to step on your foot, sorry. As I made it to the empty seat, there was a purse on it. I looked at the lady next to the seat and said, excuse me, is this seat taken? She rolled her eyes, moved her purse. Just as I was sitting down, I heard a voice coming from the other side of the lady say, does he really have to sit there? Why do people always do that? My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening.